Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilots License Flight Number 27 with service to Seattle, Washington and the world-famous Seattle Grace Mercy West Hospital. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember that if you need help from one of our flight attendants, please take a moment to think to yourself, are you or someone around you going to die? If the answer is no, just leave us alone. Let us sleep. And I don't know, read a magazine or something. You're a fucking adult. Welcome to the TV Pilots <laughs> License. My name is Jeff Curvis, joined by Max Singer and Rich Inman. How are you boys doing today? Ooh, candy is candy. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for some Pacific Northwest hospital drama. <laughs> well, for this week, uh, we are talking about... You know, a show that's coming up on 19 years of being on the air in Grey's Anatomy. Sort of wild. It's but, now in college. Yeah, it it now can be drafted, uh, so wow. watch out. Oh, way worse. Uh, way, way worse. Way, way worse. I'm, I'm actually excited. This is the first episode we've done of an on-the-air show. Yeah, it's a, it really? bit, yeah, yeah. it's a little bit different. Wait, it's, when did the OC end? I mean, in my heart, never, but in reality, 2007. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, gentlemen, we are dipping our toes into the medical field for the first time. And I see that we have a distractingly new, good-looking resident to help us find our way through our own ineptitude. Uh, our guest this week is a writer, actor, and podcaster, and would like our audience to know that they are not a doctor, no matter how many episodes of Grey's Anatomy they have watched. She is currently <laughs> a writer for iCarly, which you can find on Paramount+, and will be guest starring on American Auto on February 28th, which you can find on NBC. Please make sure to press your call buttons and welcome our returning guest, Karama Donkwa. Karama, Hello. welcome back. Uh, Hi, champion. thank you so much for having wait. me back. Um, I'd just like to clear up two things. One, the show has been on the air so long that it is no longer called Seattle Grace Mercy West Hospital. <laughs> it's now Grace Sloan Memorial Hospital. Oh, oh I was God. worried you were going to say third name in the Yeah, I was going to say this is the third name for sure. Uh, and two... I think if you have seen at least 150 episodes of Grey's Anatomy, you are actually a doctor. <laughs> the Seattle Legally, Super Sonics were a team when this show started. The Sonics were a team. That's true? Yes. I, oh I like to think that the writers of the show, the producers, are just waiting for the Seattle Super Sonics to return, and then they can finally end this show. Sean derives and- can finally rest. <laughs> And uh, what's really crazy is that Starbucks didn't exist when they first made the show. <laughs> well, for just those, some facts about Seattle. For those of uh, you that are joining us maybe for the first time, maybe to listen to Karama, uh, or maybe the algorithm just picked you up because Meredith Grey will no longer be a regular on the show very soon. Um, Max, do you mind telling the folks what? This is all about. Here at TV Pilots License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of television's most famous, or in some cases, infamous pilot episodes. We figure out how these shows came to be and how they were originally greenlit. If they're effective pilots and making us want to watch more, and if they can be made today, we've got plenty of episodes wherever you get your podcasts. So go back and listen to TV shows you may love. Go find a show you may never have seen before. And if it is your first time flying with us, then welcome aboard. And Rich... What is your question of the week? Yeah, uh, 
I got inspired by the show. I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. Spoiler alert. You don't trust me? Fifty-fifty. <laughs> uh, <50-50. laughs> uh, this is the other some amazing I did the taste. Glee episode, and then I did this. You know what? You Kar- uh, Karama is personally responsible for making me a Carly Rae Jepsen fan, so I do thank you for that. Yes. Um, I want to know if there's any shows that you guys personally loved, aside from Grey's Anatomy, that you think deserved 18 seasons, or you can watch 18 seasons full of, of that show and not get tired. Oh my god, I think you broke me for a little bit. Um, <laughs> Should I have prepped you guys with this one? I, I mean, I will just call out a couple that I truly think are fantastic. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is one. Um, mm. I think that Brooklyn Nine-Nine does a... Did, if Still you watch going, the yeah. Fin- uh, I wish. Um, no? It, yeah, they ended very recently, but oh. it's one of those shows that... And I'll just keep to this. It's one of those shows that did, I think, a very good job of speaking to things that were going on in the news without being feeling like they had to be the super serious person in the room, but still bring a little bit of levity and humor to it. Uh, Their final season, talking about corruption within police unions while also talking about Black Lives Matter, was probably some of the best discussion of that. And I think we need more shows like that rather than... Certain shows that glorify, or as I like to say, um, in some cases are masturbatory of mm. uh, some of our service members, um, which is... You can say Law and Order. <laughs> you, know, you can say it. <laughs> yeah, and he has to specify which one, and there's like 30 of them. Yeah, of and them. I mean, I want our pilot, our podcast to get picked up by some form of a network, so I'm not going to <laughs> reference any of them. Uh, I'll just say, if you dial your phone for an emergency... There is a certain show that also shares that same number that really, really likes you to think that they yeah. are doing the best job. Reno nine one one. Yeah, it, it's exactly <laughs> that. So um, that's my new pilot for one one, where I just give you information. Oh my god! Yes. Do you guys remember when we were younger? You used to be able to like call the time. I had to explain this to a child the other day that that yeah. that is there were many ways to use four one one. Old man Jeff clocks. berates local child. One was um, that you could get directions for for through four one one, which I thought was amazing. And they were like, wow. "What about Google Maps?" And I was like, "That was not a thing." Like. You had to print. We barely had Google Images you had back to in print those days. It out by a map quest. Map quest. Um, mm-hmm. Max, what about you? So any show that goes for as long as Grey's Anatomy has, uh, you're going to have peaks and valleys. You're going to jump the shark, uh, wrestle the shark, get back out of the water, find dry land, get your footing again. Uh, listen, there's going to be bad streaks. There's going to be good streaks. Um, a show that I think could navigate that having had some lows but having some incredible highs is 30 rock um another 30 minute sitcom i think if you look at you know 30 rock being a parallel to saturday night live the ups and downs that snl has really had the way it's had Mm -hmm. to evolve as a show the types of humor it's brought in i think that 30 rock could continue to go along those lines bringing in new talent we would have to say goodbye to cast members in time as we do on snl in real life Uh, but i would love to see how they continue to play with What's new? What is comedy today? How do you stay relevant and progressive in a field that is ever-changing, especially in the digital era? And uh, yeah, I think that team could do it. Karama, what about you? So you might have seen my face 
facing. Because um, <laughs> I'm struggling. Because I feel like even the shows that I think were gone too soon that I love, I feel would not would not last after 18 seasons. And some of the shows that I love the most in the world, I think actually ended mm-hmm. right at the right time. So like yeah. um, Jane the Virgin, I think that's a perfect, that's sure. a perfect show. Yeah. It's a perfect show. Um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, another one that ended exactly the way it should have ended. But this is going to be a crazy answer. Supernatural. I feel like they could have come back around oh. again. If they had a couple more How many seasons. did it last like 15 seasons? <laughs> so you want like three more. You're like, I need those three final seasons. I need at least Here's the thing. 66 Here, wait, okay, more let episodes. Me explain. <laughs> let me explain. At the end, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen season 15 of Supernatural. <laughs> and, and we all have. <laughs> at the end, you find out that... Destiel is canon, which is like the main ship of the fandom. They tell you in like the penultimate episode of the show, and then they kill off one half of the the OTP that people have. And I'm just like, what if they were allowed to let them be gay together? Whoa. Let let the little hunter man and his little angel boyfriend be boyfriends. I, I what, res- if, what if I had three seasons of that? I respect Karaba for picking a show that's physically like the closest to the parameter asked. Like <laughs> it requires the least amount of work of any of our answers. I really want yeah. Rich to just be like Wheel of Fortune. It should have only been eighteen <laughs> seasons. Well, okay. Rich is like, I feel like The Simpsons should have been canceled. That was literally. I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, The Simpsons should have stopped a long time ago. Uh, but I think my answer is probably if I had to pick one that I think has would have the best ability to play freely within a universe is Atlanta. I could have like watched mm-hmm. that go for a, like a significantly longer time. All the episodes are like vignettes or like little movies, basically. Like they have no, some of them have no basis in actual reality or physics or anything like that. They're just like they could do whatever they wanted all the time. And I think just the kind of like the film nature of that show and the episodic nature of that show made it like really easily easy for them to to play around uh, and could go for a lot longer. However, you know, there a lot of the show uses like internet fodder uh, for like their material and everything. Like the Goofy movie episode is very like uh, is very Twitter based. Um, that's going to keep going. The internet culture is going to keep going. So I think they just had endless material there. Well, Rich, awesome question of the week. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about our show of this week, Grey's Anatomy. And we're going to start with just a simple synopsis of a drama centered on the personal and professional lives of five surgical interns and their supervisors. But that's not all. And Max, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how this show was created. Totally. So today we are talking about the pilot episode of Grey's Anatomy titled A Hard Day's Night, which premiered on March 27th, 2005. Uh, Oddly enough, this is actually the second episode in the past three weeks that we've done that has a Beatles-themed title. Actually, all uh, the episodes of Grey's Anatomy, all eight, se- all eighteen seasons, all have Beatles 19. names as their titles. Yeah, because actually, just it's funny you said that because most of the episode titles are song titles. Are they really? Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, because Night, Night Court was a Beatles reference. This is a Beatles reference. Um, if any listeners have more Beatles referenced 
TV episode titles, uh, send them our way. Uh, we'll do them with their pilots. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So uh, today we're going to be talking about an author by the name of Henry Gray. Uh, he is a lecturer on anatomy <laughs> at a medical school in London <laughs> in the mid-19th century. Uh, he publishes Henry Gray's Anatomy of the Human Body, also titled Gray's Anatomy. And this is basically considered uh, the like the Bible. It's the doctor's Bible. It's still one of the like standards in the field to this day. So Henry Gray wants to develop an inexpensive and accessible textbook for students. And over 18 months, he studies bodies and mortuaries. Uh, this being possible, of course, because of the Anatomy Act of 1832, which in England gave license to doctors, professors, and medical students to dissect the uh, donated bodies. This, of course, being in response to the increased illegal trade in corpses in England, a.k.a. body snatching in the early 19th century. Uh, Gray, unfortunately, dies from smallpox at age 34 and 1861. Whoa, 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 Max, I didn't get to that part yet. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're only talking about the pilot. Um, I'm only okay, on I'm page gonna, 490. I'm going to skip ahead like 140 years now if that's cool. Uh, so Shonda Rhimes. We know her now as the producing and writing force behind the empire that is Shondaland. She is one of the biggest producers in TV working right now. Um, you flip on a channel and the odds are you're finding something done by Shonda Rhimes. Uh, so she gets her MFA from USC School of Cinematic Arts, where she graduates top of her class and earns the Gary Rosenberg Writing Fellowship. She works as a research director on the Peabody Award winning and Academy Award nominated documentary, Hank Aaron, Chasing the Dream in 1995. And from some of her connections here, she starts to really build her way in Hollywood pretty quickly. Uh, she writes and directs a short film called Blossoms and Veils that stars Jada Pinkett Smith, Omar Epps, Jeffrey Wright, and CCH Pounder with Will Smith serving as a producer on it. And from that short film, uh, she actually has a script of hers called When Willows Touch with Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith as producers on it. Uh, unfortunately, all of the funding gets pulled by Miramax after Omar Epps drops out of production. Um, one of those situations where it's like a, a bummer at the time, but the work keeps coming in for her. She does sell a rom-com script to New Line called Human Seeking Same, which unfortunately never gets made as well. But that script starts getting a lot of attention on her as a writer. So in 1999 for HBO, she writes the biopic introducing Dorothy Dandridge, uh, which earns Halle Berry a Golden Globe. From introducing Dorothy Dandridge, she gets hired to write perhaps the biggest achievement of her career, a little independent piece of cinema that you may know as the movie Crossroads starring Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> I had literally no idea that she wrote that until today. Uh, yeah, so uh, she writes Crossroads and Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement because get your checks. And <laughs> <laughs> at this time, she also sells her first TV pilot to ABC. Grey's Anatomy is actually not her first foray with the network. Uh, in early 2003, she sells ABC a show about, quote, sexy globetrotting war correspondents. However, if you think what might have happened during part of pilot season in 2003, uh, oh, the U.S. No. invaded Iraq. <laughs> oh, no. Give and me my sexy Shonda, Tom Brokaw pilot. Is, I want sexy I'm going to drop one of the most like Hollywood braid quotes of all time. This is from uh, Shonda Rhimes' production partner, uh, Betsy Beers, which is, 
She did a great job, but the war put a damper on it. Which oh <laughs> is the most Hollywood you know The Chicago White Sox had a great season in 1943, and I thought the same thing. Uh, but luckily for Shonda Rhimes, ABC then approaches her to do what they call a sexy medical drama that they want to pair with its other new hit ensemble dramas, Desperate Housewives and Lost. I've learned from studying Shonda Rhimes that writing pilots is kind of like shopping at Spirit Halloween. Like you can make any profession sexy if you try hard enough. Like that's the ABC way. Like we want sexy war journalists. We want sexy doctors. Uh, But yeah, they were sort of at the forefront of this like drama and primetime soap revitalization in 0405. And they were able to slate Grey's Anatomy in as a mid-season replacement in March of 05, and the rest is still history. Still going. Well, still going. Are you guys ready to and talk will forever. about... Well, please, no. I just want to check really <laughs> quick. Um, I'm Just because I wasn't familiar. Do I have to also watch Station 19 to understand the episode we're going to talk about today? <laughs> what? Wait. I have seen exactly one episode of Station 19 because my friend wrote it. They can't trick me into watching that show. What about they can't wait, do wait, it. wait 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 and they I, keep trying. What about the sunny California based private practice with uh, Broadway star Audra McDonald just shining on the screen uh because I have yes, watched almost practice. every single one of those episodes. All right. Uh good shit. let's talk a little <laughs> bit about Grey's Anatomy in this pilot and I am going to start things off with a quote. The game They say a person either has what it takes to play or they don't. My mother was one of the greats. Me, on the other hand, I'm kind of screwed. And from there, we see Patrick Dempsey's ass, and I've never been more excited. Uh, The (laughs) opening of this pilot is bonkers. Of just two people who've come from a one-night stand, uh, we meet Ellen Pompeo's Meredith Grey, and we meet just a man named Derek, played by Patrick Dempsey, um and how can you not fall in love with the chemistry they have at the beginning I thought of for this? sure I was going to hear like you might be wondering how I got in this situation scratch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that is uh I mean if if Shonda is going to write a script those there's going to be fucking from the very beginning there is no there's no chance they're going to go a single minute without any fucking in the script No comments I'm trying to prove you wrong but I can't <laughs> I'm like, huh. Thank you. Hmm. Where? Hmm. The sex scenes. How to get away with murder does have a surprise amount of fucking. Sex scenes in uh, in Princess Diaries too were really just wild as a whole. (laughs) So wrong. Um, (laughs) But from this scene, we we sort of get an idea of Meredith as a human being, right? She's very determined. She's an intern. She she is an intern. She's focused. Derek was a one time thing. She has got to go to work because she is going to be late to work while we have this like suave guy who's just like wait a minute like we can go again uh we can hang out my name's Derek all these things <laughs> uh, <name's> <laughs> like um but then from there we get our for so spoiler alert for those who have never watched this show <laughs> we get the most outside shots of Seattle we will ever get in any episode of Grey's Anatomy <laughs> because we see Ellen Pompeo drive in her beat up Jeep uh, through the streets of Seattle and the highways of Seattle all the way to Seattle 
Graves. We, we get what I like to call like the legally blonde crane shot, where it's like a car over a bridge. Yeah, like it's, with like jangly rock music playing. Yeah, from here on so out, Jeff, I am going to correct you just real quick. Oh, go for it. Because at this point, this the the hospital's just Seattle Grace oh, Hospital. Oh, see, I'm just pre-merger. Getting... Oh yeah, because they're... pre-merger. There's. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, there are there are multiple names for the show, as Karama has told us. Um, but we start to meet the main interns and some of the at least one of the residents uh, that is going to be guiding us on this journey as a whole. Um, we have Meredith, whom we've met. We get an idea of the personality sort of when we're in this locker room scene. Um, Christina Yang is sort of the hard ass. Uh, Izzy Stevens, there is the rumor that she is a model, um, played by Katherine Heigl, Christina Yang, played by Sandra Oh, and then we have George O'Malley, um, who just sort of is there. Um, I, I, <laughs> I want to say this very, as kindly as possible. T.R. Knight does a great job with this role, <laughs> but whoever wrote this role obviously just ha- hated men, uh, when writing it, because... <laughs> Boy, does he just seem like the biggest creep in the world while also seeming like a genuinely good guy. Karama's giving me a face like she doesn't understand. If you memorize a woman's outfit and then have to describe (laughs) it to her, you are in fact a creep and I got the ick immediately from that. You know what? When you say it like that, yes. Um, (laughs) I might also be suffering from the fact that I have watched all episodes of Grey's Anatomy that exist. I am in the midst of a rewatch where I'm on season 11. So I love George O'Malley as a character, but I know his whole arc. So I'm like, George? George isn't a creep. What are you talking about? But yeah, he gives very nice guy TM vibes. Karama, yeah, just the, the smallest side of, uh, and now you think I'm gay. And now yeah. you have to think I'm gay. I'm like, uh, which calm down, I'm George. Like, First of all, grimy that they did yeah. that to him because T.R. Knight is yeah, gay. Exactly. Oh my God. Like, that, that was, <laughs> there's a lot of drama about this show outside of the show. Um, and we mm-hmm. could do an entire mm-hmm. podcast just about that. But yeah, like, I, I completely agree with you, Karama. George is a great character in the show. But because, but in the pilot, you're because right. this He's is creepy. just the pilot, George is a fucking creep. Um, so. as, as a pilot, though, it's, it's just, I love this whole, like, all right, like meet the team. You're you're the uh, the interns for this resident. We're gonna get a little bit of your personality all going around the horde. Like everyone's gonna talk just a little bit of shit about one another, and now you're gonna meet your resident who we're all gossiping about while we wait for them to arrive. Yeah, yeah. get all that exposition out of the way real quick. And you know, whenever you hear someone referred to as the nickname of the Nazi, um, you start to worry about what type of person that was. And I will just say this. Having known the show, I knew who uh, Miranda Bailey was. But I would say if you see Shandor, Sandra Wilson and then you hear the term the Nazi, that's not really a good description of how she looks. But then we get this amazing scene of Miranda Bailey's five rules um, as she goes through the hospital. And I have written down each of these rules, but I would like to see from the three of you if you have a favorite one of the roles that she mentioned, um, Karama, I'll start with you because I feel like you have these memorized to heart and might live by a few of them. Maybe. maybe. (laughs) Uh, My favorite is um, that if they wake her up, the patient better not be dead Mm -hmm. because then they will have woken her up for nothing. 
Yes. So you have to wake her up when the patient is almost dead, but not so almost dead that they'll be dead by the time she gets Rule number three and number four right there. I, um, I like uh, when I move, you move, because it's just like that. Thank you, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, since Rich got number two, I'll take number one. Don't pick up the phone. He's only calling you because he's drunk and alone. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of the other rules were don't bother suffing, sucking up. I hate you already. That's not going to change. And number two, you will answer every page at a run, not a walk, a run. Um, but I felt like this scene did a very good job of just giving us the ideas of here are the rules of this game that we've been that has sort of been established, right? You're working 48 hours at a time as an intern. You are doing all of the grunt work, uh, including, you know, we get the joke of, oh, how funny is a rectal exam? And when you do them multiple times a day, um, as well as blood work and all that s stuff. And you're sort of a fly on the wall that's expected to know all of the answers as a whole. Um, but then immediately after we know all the rules, we're right into action. There's no, you know, onboarding or anything that you're used to maybe in your corporate job if you're listening. Instead, there's a helicopter on the fucking roof uh, yep. because someone was at a beauty pageant and they had mm -hmm. a seizure uh, and they need help right away. As Is that helipad worthy? Is that helivac uh, worthy? Like, I, do you... I, I don't think I don't think they're I think that's like a hospital like an ambulance maybe like that, that doesn't seem like I thought a, I thought an emergency helicopter was for like if someone gets lost in the woods and has look, a seizure look you got the helicopter for three hours are you gonna use it or not because otherwise I gotta get it back to the fox lot we already we already did the over the bridge shot now we gotta use it for one more thing <laughs> I often question I'm like is this is this a necessary use of the helicopter in the show. <laughs> like there are a lot of times I'm like, is this a necessary use of the helicopter? I'd God, say 85% so cool, of the though, time. With, with the whirring. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the it's Miss Saigon. It's just, it's Miss Saigon. It's very striking. You're like, whoa, that's a <laughs> helicopter. And it also gives you, I think, I think that it sets up that this is a hospital that is very prestigious, has a lot of money. You know, it's not a rinky dink hospital. This is, that is true. there's stakes here couple of people that we've met along the way that maybe I did not mention. Um, we have met the chief uh, by this point in time um, who, you know, just seems like this. It, based off of the pilot, we're, we have no assumptions about who the chief is in anyone's life other than this father figure. He is the head surgeon of everything. But because of, um, I do have the patient's name written down, Katie Bryce's condition, they think it's at first a heart condition. So we meet one of the attendants uh, who is the chief cardiologist, um, and that is Dr. Burke, played by Isaiah Washington. Um, and immediately we start to get this idea of, hey, this is sort of how I treat you. This is, you are scum. I need you to just do tests. There's no pleasantries as a whole. Um, sort of this superstar-esque um, ego as a whole throughout it. Um, anything that you guys got from really just seeing Katie Bryce and how the doctors treated her as a whole? I, I already really like the attending doctors. Like, I, I like that they have established their boundaries very quickly, but they also have left it open for, like, a lot of teachable moments. 
like especially dr bryce's treatment of george as they move forward like yeah it seems mean but they're like throwing them kind of like into the action immediately it is very much a baptism by fire like that very first day and they're you know they already know what they're doing they already know like how to treat patients they already know like how to teach uh interns this is not their first uh intern rotation and yeah i don't know i i feel like i'm already gonna like like those characters based on like the tough love that they can give them and the same reason i like dr cox from from scrubs yeah two two things in this pilot that i really really love and i think are effective for building its world are one we throw you into the fire right away we're going to see these people in action very early on we don't get too bogged down in personal details before we're seeing what you want to see which is like the hospital drama um like at the end of the day this is still a medical show and i also just love that we've set um like a time parameter here. Like you are going to watch their first 48 Mm -hmm. hours. This is one shift. This is one like two day stretch of their lives. So there is like a real framework to it. Um, Something that bothers me though, watching the interns making their rounds is there's a song called they by gem, which plays in the background. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. So sorry. So like very like early 2000s, like pulsing, like indie pop song. We used to use that for a lot of our movement exercises when I studied college <laughs> theater. And hearing that song like pulse while everyone was running around, it's like, oh God, oh God, am I doing my walks correctly? <laughs> well, they paid you. You're supposed to be at a run. It's one of the one of the first two um, rules. Yeah, I'm just like back at like the floor of a classroom doing Suzuki walks across the floor again while this song is pulsing. <laughs> it was Beautiful. it was such an interesting, like this was our one. And during hour one, we start to see that everyone is a little bit, we get to learn a little bit more of the personalities, right? Christina Yang is stocking surgeries. Uh, and we find out that the best on-call intern gets the first procedure. Uh, and that's sort of this golden prize uh, that they're all going after. Which doesn't sound real. Uh, that doesn't I, sound like a real thing that a hospital would do, right? That seems like kind of crazy, right? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it <laughs> seems like... pretty high stakes. I mean, Karama, you're a doctor. You've watched at least 300 right. or 400 episodes of the show. I have. I've watched you over have three 400 PhDs episodes worth. of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond like Christina Yang, I have a PhD and an MD. Um, <laughs> I feel from my doctor experience that like it kind of makes sense to give them a low stakes procedure that's not like emergent in the same way that like a, a like triple bypass is or something. Sure. You know, so so like it's an appendectomy. And which I will tell you that these interns do much more than an appendectomy uh, without a guiding surgeon. Um, but we also get these scenes of we learn about there's really two cases that happen in this episode. We have our Katie Bryce, who's sort of a mystery case with her surge, with her seizures. And then we get this family where there is just a heart bypass procedure that is going to happen. They're going to put him on a bypass machine, uh, clean up his heart, and then put him, uh, put the heart back in. And George uses the phrase, and I just have it marked as, I'm a healer. Uh, which I audibly <laughs> I love that groaned one. and was like, George, you're the fucking worst. And then we just see all these interns fucking up. Izzy's just doing a bunch of rectal exams. And like a normal like workplace drama, they end up at the lunch table just bitching to each other about mm-hmm. how terrible their days are as a whole. Um, and the lunch table sorts of becomes a trend in future Grey's Anatomy episodes, but I really did 
feel like this was the most relatable moment for non-doctors who are watching this show. Because I was like, oh yeah, I've bitched at my lunch table before about like how shitty things are going as a whole. And this makes everyone seem more human. But we also get to learn a little bit of background about one of these characters in particular. Catherine Heigl gets a great line here where she says, you try eating after performing 17 rectal exams. Uh, but I, I like I like the like the lunch table as a as a device to like get everybody back together yeah. in between scenes as well. It's almost kind of like a reset moment in each episode. Uh, but yeah, like what's a lunch table without a little bit of, like hot goss as everybody realizes <laughs> that Meredith Gray mom is uh, Ellis Gray, who's this legendary surgeon. She yeah, the, the Gray uh, method. She won the Harper Avery twice. Twice. <laughs> yeah, none of us know what that is, but. It's our, pretty damn first, important, uh, according to Sandra O. Oh. Our first Nepo baby of the podcast, perhaps? Nepo well, baby character. <laughs> well, she's going to have some nepotism coming up, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But after George sort of grandstands in front of Dr. Burke, um, he is chosen to do the first solo surgery um, as a whole. And we just sort of... It, you can tell it's like, oh, Sandro's, uh, Christina Yang is pissed. She's like, how is he the best? Um, everyone's sort of questioning it as a whole. But then we find out that Katie O'Brice needs surgery. Um, and she needs brain surgery. So she's been assigned to a new attendant uh, by the name of Dr. Shepard. Uh, and we get this great scene where Meredith Grey goes down and sees that Dr. Shepard is actually Derek Shepard from the night before. And then God. I know the fuck guy? Karama and I are just like fucking they go into the staircase and the staircase becomes a theme in this goddamn show. Just sorry, I didn't recognize you with the pants. (laughs) (laughs) Um I I thought I don't know how they did testing for the show. But there was obviously they had Blood work, vitals. uh, (laughs) uh, Everyone did a rectal VQ. (laughs) but they had meredith like ellen pompeo and patrick dempsey just had amazing chemistry in every single scene they were in together on this show there was this line that i just said that i have written down of i was the one that was drunk and you're you were not that good looking and patrick (laughs) dempsey has this cute fucking smile where i was just like god damn it i'd even sleep with patrick dempsey right now in this moment in time um what were seeing this chemistry that's building as a whole like Rich, especially as someone who's never watched an episode of this show. Oh, yeah. What were your thoughts as a whole? Uh, I thought... <laughs> You've I had thought... 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Dr. Shepard was kind of like a dick starting off. Uh, immediately starts going for the um, for a second date. Like, Obviously, this is not a big deal for him, who has worked in the medical field for a little bit. It's like if you... Doctor's gonna fuck. Like it's a it's a theme in literally every doctor show that's ever been on the air. The doctors are banging in the on call room, etc. They, uh, I think he sets himself up to be kind of a jerk at the very first moment, but you can see him very quickly turn into someone who's going to respect her for her own skills, like almost immediately. You know, she's setting boundaries. She already has like a target on her back because the nepotism thing. She's already like working to avoid a lot of different expectations that people have of her. And uh, the fact that you accidentally bang the the on call attending is probably a bad thing that you don't want to get out. And probably smart of her to not want a second date with him. But uh, he eventually like 
I mean, he doesn't let that get in the way of respecting her as a doctor. And I think that is like, that is where he makes the big pivot for me. Yeah. Um, an excellent scene. And after this, we are taken to George's first solo surgery. Um, and I use solo boy. air quotes. But this is like, as soon as Meredith is done talking with Derek, this is sort of an interesting scene, right? You have all of these interns who are placing bets on George just failing. Yeah, the gallery is brutal for this scene. Um, yeah. I would Especially because like, they're all interns. I would like to note that there is one actor whose face I just recognized in the gallery in uh, Sandil Ramamurthy, uh, who is also in Heroes, uh, for those who have ever oh. watched that show. He's in a ton oh. of other stuff. But he was just like... An save unnamed, the appendix. Save the world. Unnamed... <laughs> Put it on a sticker. Um, but, um, I, I really did love Meredith's thing of he is one of us, right? Like the idea that you guys are betting. And then as soon as that's over, Izzy places a bet. Uh, was just like, there, there's definitely great comedy in this show. In just great that main character for. behavior from Meredith Grey. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. Um, but then George goes to the surgery. He gets the appendix out. So like, that's better than I've ever done in a solo surgery. Uh, but then, you know, he, he got to do up. more than one. And it, it was, I don't know about you both, but like, I felt, I think like a good medical drama, you're watching the surgery and you're in it. You're like, oh shit, like something's gone wrong. Like everything's going to, this is terrifying as a whole. They did mm -hmm. such a good job of making Trey Burke sort of this catalyst of just pressure. Like I yeah. was gaining anxiety and I was not even the person with the scalpel at the table. Um, wait, wait, did you just call Isaiah Washington NBA player Trey Burke? Yeah, it, I was like, his Trey name Burke? is Preston. It's, it's Preston. Preston Burke, excuse me. Uh. Trey Burke played at Michigan. We went Trey to Burke beat Victor Oladipo <laughs> out for the Naismith Trophy in uh. 2013. So that is where I, I got there. I thought you were speaking French and you were saying he was just very Burke. He was very, he was it was so such a very Burke, Burke moment. <laughs> but Trey Burke. It, it was a very Burke moment because Burke was a dick, right? You have this kid who's failing. Yeah. And right in front of you, and he's almost like, okay, I'm going to let you fail as long as I can possibly let you, yep. and then I will come in and save the day and be the superhero. Well, Burke says that's his MO, though, that every year he picks a guy that he basically is going to use to get everybody else in line, mm -hmm. and that's George. And so you're going to, he's going to like let him flounder as long as he, like under his oath, can allow him to flounder before he has to step in. Um, which is painful to see, especially after everyone applauds him when he passes the scalpel the first time. And I, I really like that moment. Like you, you start rooting for George. You see him making like you know the steps to do this surgery, and then when it falls apart, like it's kind of heartbreaking because he just completely freezes under the pressure the second something actually goes wrong, and unfortunately earns the ruthless nickname from the intern gallery of 007 because George now has a license to kill. Yeah, the, I I really I do like Dr. Burke a lot because he does give he lets people ride with the training wheels off as far as they possibly can. And I think that's extremely important. However, uh, th this did not give me any sort of comfort in the medical community or like the, the next time I have like a surgery uh, at, that I might need at any point that they just might let someone who is fresh out of med school fuck up the surgery for until I absolutely cannot be fucked up any further that I because I will die. 
And I don't know, I mean, uh, it just like made me realize that like, wow, I mean, everyone has to learn somewhere and you don't want to be the person that they learn on. Yeah, Rich is now no longer supporting learning hospitals. He's over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I not. Please, say, do, please is, get me out of them. This is TMI, but I went to a teaching hospital for my OBGYN appointment once. Oh. And they were like, hey, can this... Can this dude, can this intern basically do your pelvic exam? So then I had to have two pelvic exams in a <gasps> row because the attending still had to also make sure that it was done oh properly. My God. And I was like, I will never consent to this again. And he was fine. He was great. She was actually rougher. Uh, she, was, <laughs> she knows what she's doing. <laughs> God, it's like after the first but, one, it's like, all um, right, back to one, reset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That um, was great, exactly sweetie. Go sit in the corner. So but during... like somebody has to learn, and that's yeah. I was like, yeah, I want to. I'm like on Grey's Anatomy. No, never again. <laughs> you can you can only learn on cadavers for so long. Eventually, you got to step up to the plate. That's mm-hmm. you do, I did not want to be there for someone's rookie performance. Cadavers, and as we learned from Christina Yang, fruit as well. Uh, I did not know that fruit have appendixes, but supposedly <laughs> Christina Yang's probably well, you never segmented an orange. Yeah, uh, a hook stitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> During this George's scene, we sort of see this mysterious figure uh, that places a bet, and then we get to meet him. Um, And his name is Alex Karev, and instantaneously, someone is worse than George. Uh, Because uh, he just starts bullying and, like, being a dickhead to a nurse as a whole. I I just see, someone else wrote this note, but meeting Alex Karev, this guy sucks. I'd love to give the floor to whomever would like to yeah, talk about this. Yeah, let me stretch this. and step up to the mic for that one. Yeah, this guy sucks. Um, Alex is, he's our foil. He is our script foil. He exists mm-hmm. solely to demonstrate the uh, sexism and like misogyny and ageism that unfortunately is like so rampant in just the professional world as a whole alex is in this pilot to bully and demean an older nurse uh and not respect her opinion even though she has years more medical experience than him just because she's a nurse and he has a white coat he assumes that meredith is a nurse without any uh reasoning whatsoever his line in there is if the white cap fits like just completely writing her off. Um, also, justice for nurses, because at least yeah. three times in this episode they use nurse like derogatory. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, can you guys? Nurses are so important. We're Thank in you, a nursing shortage right now, and yeah. like nurses are some of the most important folks out there. Like, yeah, and like they're so helpful throughout this entire episode there are many instances where nurses are stepping up and like trying to be the helpful person on the side and the interns are just like but like as, as back, if everything else in their day is not difficult enough already and if they're <laughs> not already dealing with the pressures of their residents their job as a whole yep. the lack of sleep the why to impress their classmates now we're gonna throw this fucking prick into the mix <laughs> as well <laughs> Yeah, imagine being in the 35th hour of a 36-hour nursing shift and you got to deal with that guy. I, I I think that is one thing that Scrubs really got right, that they put a nurse in their core, like, five or six mm-hmm. characters. Like, Carla is, like, in a really, really important 
like humbling character for a lot of the doctors on that on that show and i think it's super important that that is i I don't know as the show progresses if the nurses get a more they don't they they really don't become like any uh like more i I will say that in a later part of i believe this season or next season there is a nursing strike that Mm -hmm. is an Mm. awesome part of the show and i think super important in establishing how important nurses are but in the beginning i think they were like we have five interns we have to focus on as Mm -hmm. well as a lot of sexy attendants and a chief of surgery so we don't have time for nurses right now um but also like there are never any nurses that are like main characters they're always which is just so disappointing episodes you can have Uh, a couple oh well uh, Karama, I'm going to blow your mind in a little bit about uh, the nurses, and we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, You're going to blow Karama's mind about something about Grey's Anatomy? Yeah, I, I, I hope so. <laughs> she um, wrote the show. Yeah, she literally... <laughs> <laughs> Karama's pen name is Shonda Rhimes. <laughs> Chef, you wish. are making, like, wilder promises than George O'Malley here. Let's see if you can back up. Oh, <laughs> see, Max, bringing me back in, because George makes a promise, and even I, as a non-doctor, was like, that is a lawsuit, because if someone makes a promise... You can hold them to that in court, and I hope the hospital has great insurance. Uh, But in an even more interesting scene, we sort of see Derek Shepard failing to get the family of Katie Bryce to, like, believe in him. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he does something that he even says is unusual. He's asking the interns for their opinion uh, and trying to figure out what is wrong with Katie Bryce. And their um, reward is one person gets to join him in an advanced surgery uh, that usually is not open access to interns. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we see is Christina Yang being this super highly motivated and driven person whom we find out... First class of Stanford. There you go. Stealing it right from my mouth. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, She looks at Meredith and says... Let's work together on this. You are the person who's on this case. You obviously know a lot of information. And during this bit, we start to see this relationship start to bloom. Um, that I think is a non... Okay. Karama, I'm going to tap you in on this. Because okay. I see this as a non-traditional <laughs> female relationship as depicted on television. Of two people that aren't the most emotion high on the emotional quotient chart. Uh, but very much care about each other in a very unique way uh, that blooms in later episodes. But in this first one, we start to see this relationship start to build um, as a whole. I'll say, I feel like it is a typical female friendship, but they are not typical people. They're both kind of like misanthropic a a little bit. Um, Meredith less so than Christina. Um, Christina is not a nice person, um, but she is arguably one of my favorite people. Also, you don't know, you don't hear it in this episode, but I think it's important to know, Jewish icon, Christina Yang, she is Jewish. Jewish Korean icon. Pardon? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a whole bit. Uh, there there is a, a fun bit. little like bit of banter inserted into this though, when the two of them, Meredith and Christina are working in the library where Meredith reveals that her and Derek have had sex previously. And I really like the the pacing here where they're like digging into the textbooks and they're like, 
discussing Katie's condition, and then Christina will, like, ping in, like, one little question about sex with Derek, and, like, they'll get, like, back into, like, the medical textbooks and back into the studying on the case, and then, like, ping in one little question there, and, like, it made me chuckle every single time. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm just gonna go back, like, maybe a couple minutes in the show, because I think Dr. Shepard does something extremely important here and really reveals his own character, and that he says a very important phrase to um to katie bryce's family that he doesn't know what's wrong with her it's, and it's okay it, that is like showing that if you're mature in this particular job like it's okay to say i don't know yet and and that is really like i think a lot of people get caught up in having to know everything and that's probably like mm-hmm. an ego thing with doctors or like making sure that you feel like you are still the authority figure by basically lying that you know or like making up that you know everything and i think that scene is actually pretty important for why i think he is actually going to be a good character moving forward it, it's, i don't know if that's actually true it's fairly refreshing when you think about it because like in a world where there's a lot of medical dramas right now or medical mm-hmm. shows where like everyone knows everything and you're able to diagnose house. In a, mm. yeah, yeah. House. <laughs> <laughs> Famously still on house. Uh, <laughs> able, I, I was also thinking of shows like The Resident or The Good Doctor mm-hmm. where you mm-hmm. instantly know and like instead of like trying to figure it out, they screw up and then they're like, oh, it's not that, it's this uh, in a very house-esque manner. Um, it's like a superhuman quality instead of being yeah, like, realistic like the, human beings. They're real people. And like I think this is also one of the shows like later on that shows like this hospital acts like a real hospital where they're trying to figure out shit like by doing medical trials and clinical trials and research because no one has the answer for everything. Like, I forget what show it was, but they were like, we cured diabetes. And it was like, then share the answer with us, please. We've been looking for the answer for this forever. <laughs> and you just said you cured it. Like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> It's, uh, that's actually that person who bought Twitter blue and said that insulin was free now. They wrote that episode of whatever show it was. They're like, we cured diabetes. <laughs> we did it, you guys. Uh, and then Chicago I, med or whatever. Has and then Kylie Jenner walked across the street and gave the cure to diabetes to everyone else. Um, oh, thank God. Kendall cured racism. Kylie cured diabetes. Um, <laughs> But during these, so we're up to about hour 40. Um, And by this time, um, there's a lot of different stuff that has gone on. Um, We do see that George and Meredith talk about their failures throughout the day. And like George is starting to question the idea of like, I have to tell Mrs. Savage that her husband is dead. Um, we get this scene where Preston Burke, I got the name right this time, um, was able to, like, the bypass surgery was a failure. Um, and I do want to talk about that. I thought that scene was very intriguing and unique in seeing George is literally sipping on an apple juice box while we see Preston. away from the the surgery. Well, in the background. The the up-tempo music, all the beats, like you see little bits of things happening behind George, but I love putting the POV on George in his own world, oblivious to what's happening behind him. Yeah, and like during this entire bit, then Preston comes out and says, you made the promise, you have to tell the family. And on the other side of that, Christina and Meredith figure out the cure 
or not the cure, they figure out the potential cause of the seizures. Um, they, Derek says it's a one in a million chance. We get our first like sort of sneak peek at the elevator, uh, which I know fans of this show are super pumped about. But <laughs> people who are just the watching elevator? the pilot, the elevator, yes, the it's a, elevator. it's a thing. Um, there's one. They only have one elevator. One elevator. <laughs> it is. It is slammed. That's, it that's a lot of the stairwell. Are uh, that's, that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, floors to manage if you got a helipad and uh, many floors of surgeries happening. But during this, like one in a million uh, chance that there's an aneurysm that they didn't detect. There's an aneurysm, and then we see a second bit of nepotism in the show of not Ooh. only. Did Meredith Grey get into this amazing program, possibly because of her mother? But then, because she slept with Derek, um, at least we assume she was chosen to be the intern who is helping out on the surgery as a whole, uh, which we were then brought to commercial break very, very carefully. Uh, and, and we should preface by saying, uh, at this point, uh, Meredith Grey had promised Christina that she could have that spot in the break. Uh, the upcoming brain surgery if you know uh, if if they were able to solve that together yeah and uh, she remained silent which was... I think it's notable that she like clearly looked distressed mm -hmm. but at the same time she was like it's surgery yeah. <laughs> and kind of <laughs> didn't have it in her to say no to surgery on her first day mm -hmm. technically second day now but you know <laughs> first shift um yeah. so then just a couple of other things that happen during this. So prior to surgery, uh, we see uh, Meredith watch the chief just sort of just roast the shit out of Alex uh, Karev because he fucked up and he didn't listen to the nurses. And then Meredith aces the quiz while all of the other interns uh, go through their little mini guides that are helping them throughout the day, which is really concerning. Like, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm an anti-learning and teaching hospital, but like um, that <laughs> scene. I'm anti-learning. Uh, that, that scene in particular made me be like, maybe I need to make sure I know which hospitals don't allow Wait, interns. Wait, what, what's the chief slide to Meredith here too? He's like, oh, you look just like your mother. Like, spitting I, I recognize your mother. Spitting I recognize yeah. your mother. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the game. Yeah, second mention of the game, and like I thought it was going to be more of a thing based off of that nope. first quote. Nope, we only it, get it one never gets other mentioned mention again in nineteen years. Um, <laughs> so then we get this, um, we get this other quote, or we get our surgery, our advanced surgery, where we're taking out this aneurysm. Uh, Derek says the line, "It's a beautiful night to save lives. Let's have some fun." Uh, and then we get this Meredith Grey outro monologue um, that's guiding us throughout Derek's surgery, which is with, not without its problems. Uh, we don't get the music that we normally would to tell us, hey, everything's tense. Instead, we watch uh, Patrick Dempsey give this performance without speaking of, hey, shit's going bad in the surgery. And then they're able to figure it out um, to which they leave the surgery. And it was a, at least we can assume, a success as a whole as Meredith has reached hour 48 of her shift exhausted sitting on a bench outside of the OR. No. Okay. Um, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the no music thing. Is that like, I know in other shows, the showrunners or writers will leave clues of like how something is going to go based on like, 
you know, they use specific music. They like use a, like, uh, they just get into patterns where people can kind of guess what's going to happen. Is that a recurring thing in, in Grey's Anatomy too, where it's like, things are going to be fine if there's no music and there's just talking over it. So I yeah. would actually say, no. and, and this is <laughs> no, a super, like it way worse. <laughs> this is a super unique instance. Like this is the okay. one episode of this show where I would say like, I'm going to use the sex in the city thing. Music is a character here on wow. sex. Music and, is a character. Wow. And the main character yeah. in the music cast is chasing cars by snow patrol. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it is, which they use in every versions. single episode. There are six versions of that song that appear in the course of the 19 seasons that I've Holy watched crap. so far. Yeah. I believe. And it's, it's definitely like, there's a lot of jokes about like how, oh, you have a song, you want it to be a hit, turn it in, into the folk version of the song and it's going to yeah. be on Grey's Anatomy and people are going <laughs> to eat that shit up. I think uh, it's worth mm-hmm. noting though, because we talked about this too with the OC episode, how it's like these shows that are coming out with the birth of like the streaming era and iTunes and iPods. And so now it's like the first time where you can go and you can find that single song and you can make it yours all the time. Um, obviously like the theme song to this one of these early seasons, uh, portions for foxes by Rilo Kylie is a bop, you know, these shows are going to have these like hits spawned off them because people just want to find out what the song from Grey's Anatomy that week was. Well, this is this is also where you get the moment of uh, Catherine Heigl's character not waking up the the uh, attending doctor because uh, if she lays here, if she just lays here, <laughs> would you lie with me? Boo! <laughs> boo! Boo! boo. Um, I had to wait for so long. <laughs> so, a couple of things that happen happen at hour forty eight, so we can just resolve as a whole. Meredith and Yang. Uh, have a chat post-surgery. And Yang basically says, hey, you did the right thing taking the surgery. I would have taken the surgery as well and have stayed silent. Yeah, we know she would have taken it. Yeah. She wanted wanted it real bad. But it's just this refreshing (laughs) sign of like the friendship that they have or the relationship that they have is one built on honesty with each Mm. other. And it's something to look forward to. And then we have this final little chat between Meredith and Derek. Um, talking about how Derek seemed almost like a god uh, doing it. And it was so amazing watching him do surgery. Uh, Meredith even says, I don't know why anybody does drugs. Uh, it, I have never cut someone open, so I have no idea if it's Because I couldn't get substitute. it in a school, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> shaky hands. Um, so... As a doctor. Yes, please, please. please. As, as a doctor who like does to... drugs. I would just like to re- reiterate to the audience: I am not a medical doctor. I am. I am not. I've never even played one on TV. Please don't take any medical yet. advice from yet. me ever. Um, yet, I have not played one yet. Uh, Season twenty. Knock on wood. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Oh my god! But I, I think that yeah, there is something. I don't know. For someone who has not had a lot of control in their life, as you find out about. Meredith that she does not have a lot of control in her life. I think that surgery being akin to doing drugs and something that she can control and something that she can control somebody's out outcome and like affect the course of somebody's life for the positive. I understand why she'd be addicted to that. Yeah. And we get to learn a little bit about some of that control that Meredith lacks, right? At the beginning of the episode, she said she was possibly going to sell her mother's house uh, that she was living in at the time. Um, and Meredith, we get this, what we assume is almost an outro, right? Uh, 
uh, Meredith Grey speaking over, and we find out that she's actually going and visiting her mom, um, who is in a home uh, suffering from Alzheimer's. They don't say it outwardly, uh, but it's very much assumed because we see this really heartbreaking scene of Meredith trying to tell her mom, you know, you were a doctor. Um, I am a doctor. This transitioning. Mm-hmm. And then we get fade to black with Grey's Anatomy appearing in white. And that is our pilot. Ah, I love this final shot of just like them holding hands like in the light of the window in the parlor. It's, it's just like such a pretty framed up shot. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's quite a soft cliffhanger, though. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. not much, you know, because there's not much more you're going to learn. Like, you really need to learn about that situation. It's just like, oh, she has Alzheimer's. All right. That's, it's not going to get any better. It's not going to, like, progress into a different storyline. She has Alzheimer's. I mean, well, you can see it's how it's going to affect testament. her. I think it's a real testament to the way that TV has changed. Because this mm. aired in 2005. Mm-hmm. And this was pre-streaming being a huge thing. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to get somebody to click next episode. True. They care a lot about the characters. And we learn so much about the characters. I think they do a great job setting up compelling characters. They have this like romantic and sexual tension with these two co-workers mm-hmm. you want to come back next week to see do they go on that second date do they fuck again <laughs> is is there another appendectomy what's george gonna do i don't know is he gonna kill somebody probably <laughs> and, and Rich, i just want to say really quick on that on that word that you chose with cliffhanger i think we're also conditioned now in this tv era that like everything has to lead to the next thing where like tv shows are framed as just being these like 13 hour long movies where yeah. it, they're like, they're, they're not, they're not TV in a way where it's not like a beginning, a middle and an end to every single episode. And I love that this episode begins and ends with the VO choice. And I love that it feels like we're kind of closing that back cover. We're ending this episode. And I think that's also why the show has been so effective as like, we'll talk about some legacy, but like as a syndicated series, because like you could just watch an episode. Yeah. We just watch it and it's going to wrap up its story and it's going to end. And then you can go on to another random one. You can jump around. You can go out with your day. You can do whatever you want. It's not like drawing out details just to eventually get to something in the final Jeff hour. Jeff and I are going to say the exact same shit. I Karama, know. you go first. Uh, I will say that quality does evolve. Yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and it Holy... does become this sort of like disaster salad yeah, no. on the show. Disaster uh, porn. There's just so yeah. much disaster porn that happens in this show, and you're just like, so I, have I, I, some I have wild heard shit of a of a uh, flying vehicle uh, crashing into the hospital at mm-hmm. some point, and that being a plot line. Uh, that's when I think they probably oh, when George Jetson joined the cast. You know, yes, that's exactly it was a crossover. It. I let's not talk too much about <laughs> yeah. the bad things that happened because I have a little yeah. game. Yeah, so, so for later. Um, before we do that couple of things that i'd love to hear from you both or you all excuse me or were there any things we loved about this pilot that we didn't talk about or that you'd like to shine a light on a little bit more Ooh, that's a great question um i am excited for a lot more of the the interns i'm sure will develop characteristics of their own i'm excited for so much more of the attending physicians they all have like their own unique traits and their own like way of teaching and everything like that. I am excited for them to be more involved. Um, But I, this made me very worried about 
George's character as a whole. Like, I don't, it seemed like he was not going to make it, period. And I think... <laughs> you thought he was just getting fired day one, just like... Well, out. I mean, I, I can't remember the exact uh, statistics that the... Um, they that say they some gave people in the won't beginning, make it. where it's yeah. like five five people won't make it, seven people will have breakdowns or whatever, etc. Two people um, will be asked to leave, and yes. then eight people will switch to yeah, an we'll easier specialty. Downgrade yeah. their specialty. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He he gives this one line of like, I can think of one I can't think of one reason I want to be a surgeon. I can think of a thousand reasons I want to quit. I'm like, this is like I can't imagine the heartbreak of dealing with that after going through four or five years of med school to, to lead up to this point. That sounds... I care like... so much about George O'Malley. Oh. I, like, <laughs> I can't... I love George so much. And yeah. he's not so, on the show anymore. I miss yeah, him. Justice for a bumbling character in a surgery <laughs> show. Yeah! Why not? He Max has an arc. They all, have really, oh, no, they all have really beautiful arcs. I, I yeah. think that like knowing where it goes and seeing where they all started... Yeah. I think that's the thing that I want to say. Two things I want to say. The first thing is, I think that they make a really good point to show where everybody's at, but also there's space for them to grow. And I think they sort of show that even with Christina being mad and sort of blurting out that Meredith had sex with Derek in front of Izzy, but then later saying, you know, like, it was a good surgery. You did a good job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to do that thing where I say yeah. something, then you say something, and then we feel... <laughs> Um, so I think that it shows like a little moment of her being generous and being empathetic, but then going back to sort of this sort of more closed off person. A little self-awareness for the genre too, which I thought was promising. Max, what about you? And then the second thing, the second thing I wanted to say. Go for it. Um, I don't know if you guys know about magic, um, (laughs) but I, I, we haven't talked about the fact that their names spell magic. Meredith, Alex, uh, George, Izzy, and Christina. Magic. Oh, what? my God. Yeah. My, Is that my on purpose? Karama just yes, blew my 100%. mind. 100%. <laughs> 100% so, it's Karama, while you're on that, any things that you love that we didn't talk about in this pilot? Yeah, the thing that I just said. Okay, cool. <laughs> that you That's didn't great. love? <laughs> oh, that I didn't love? No, that you did love. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was like, am I going deaf? I need to see a doctor. Max, what about you? So this is a little bit of a piggyback off of something that Karama mentioned and Rich mentioned earlier. Um, I I love that we see (laughs) the arcs of characters starting to develop here. Like we see them in their early like infancy stages. Rich made a great point of um, Derek's line about like he doesn't know what's wrong with Katie, but like he's going to do his job to figure it out. And that's a great contrast to george just blurting out dumbly like he's gonna be fine everything's gonna be like easy peasy this surgery is gonna rule and i love just seeing like the rookie and the vet and like how they both handle their family interactions here um so it it makes me interested in seeing like where these characters go like i had an interest in Mm -hmm. everybody off the bat i want i want george to succeed i want Izzy to not have her hand stuck up everyone's ass the entire season. Like I want people, I want people to succeed. Uh, <laughs> Catherine Heigl, call me. <laughs> Leave that woman alone. She suffered enough. They bring everybody back on that fucking show, and they have not brought her back once since she okay. left. Catherine so- Heigl, have you ever seen a prolapsed anus? <laughs> <laughs> Howie Mandel. Yeah, she did a whole movie with Seth Rogen. Hey, <laughs> hey. 
so I, I actually have heard a little bit about that story of like Catherine Heigl like leaving the show and that being like a problem or something like that, and that it would could have been rooted in like the, just the misogyny of how the show was like handled and everything like that. Like they would not have been so uh, like. I I don't think they would have been so calloused about handling her if like if she was a man doing the same thing like like maybe it just would have been swept so under I the rug if it was a male be, actor. There might be two things that you're conflating. Okay. Uh, with Catherine Heigl, both of okay. them have to do with Catherine Heigl in the mid two thousands. Mm. So one, she was doing an interview where she talked about the movie Knocked Up with mm-hmm. alleged prolapsed anus Seth Rogen, <laughs> um, <laughs> and she alleged. said that you know the show is kind of. The, the movie was kind of misogynistic and she's like all these men are like children and then the woman is shown as a nag for trying to like get him to the point where he can take care of a child and everybody was like man what a fucking bitch um, <laughs> so there's that and then and I think that definitely had a lot to do with misogyny mm-hmm. and then the other thing is that in I believe a magazine interview Catherine Heigl said that the hours that they worked on Grey's Anatomy were unconscionable and uh, she okay. has talked about it since and said that, you know, I kind of still stand by that because they're working like 16, 18 hour yeah, days a lot of the time. They and worked 48 hours on this pilot. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> she talked about the fact that because Catherine Heichel has a perspective that other people don't have that are actors on the show, that she was a child actor. Mm. And so she was raised on sets and she was raised mm. by crew members. And obviously she had parents, too. But um, Mormon parents, fun fact. Uh, But so she spent a lot of time growing up, learning about crew members firsthand and meeting crew members and being shaped by crew members. And so she has a very soft spot in her heart for below the line workers, which a lot of actors, unfortunately, don't Mm -hmm. in the same way. And so she, when talking about that, was talking about the same issues that they were talking about in 2021 when there was almost an IATSE strike. So was she right on both fronts? Quite possibly. And she's having, not a renaissance, but she's working. She's on Firefly Lane on Netflix. So, good for her. And what I would also say is, during her time on this show, we'll talk about Legacy in a bit, she was probably one of the most recognized for her performances. Um, And there is something to say when one of your stars is questioning that. And um, Karama spoke to, and the idea that, like, Everyone sort of had a graceful exit off of this show, other than Katherine Heigl. Um, well, I, I believe there's also an there was an instance or an interview where she made a criticism about an Emmy nomination because of the caliber of mm-hmm. writing on that season. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, you know, unfortunately, if you criticize the people above you, you know, they're they're probably not going to be that that kind to you whether it's you know fair or unfair or deserved i don't think it is Mm -hmm. uh you know you start to ruffle feathers with higher ups and they're not going to give you the most graceful exit all right so one thing that i will say i loved about Mm -hmm. this is i know this was a teaching hospital but also there was the mention that 
one of the interns was a model. Everyone on this show is a model. <laughs> Let's just be very honest. Let let I will I want to go to this hospital and maybe there's some dumb people who might try to kill me, but at least it will be good-looking people <laughs> trying to kill me. Um which leads me I have me... to say, over the course of the show, people are like, "Oh my god, Karev is so hot. Karev is so hot." And I'm like, "Are we looking at the same man? He's okay, a regular-looking so, dude." So, I will just leave this he gives in me white guy facial blindness. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Um, looking at, okay, so Justin Chambers, who plays Alex Karev, um, is, you know, he has other stuff, but he's really known for this. I originally remember him as the Greek man in the wedding planner. Italian. Italian. Okay. Italian. Yes, because J-Lo is 100% Italian in that movie. I think about it every day of my fucking (laughs) life. (laughs) Italian. Wait, you telling me she's not? She's one of my favorites. (laughs) But I will say he is perfectly fine looking for a white guy but karama this brings me to our guest question of the week from your pilot uh we started this last week with a secret life of an american teenager but who is the biggest daddy of this episode of this episode I mean, of this episode, Derek Shepard. I mean, look yeah. at his. And then face. I will allow you to expand yourself to who is the biggest daddy on the show. That maybe if folks choose to continue watching this, they can. Oh, pick. 19 years of daddies, and you're making a pick just one. <laughs> yep, oh she only God. gets one. She has a. Oh there God. are a lot of choices, um, and I will can just I, say, can I pick? Is the daddy gender neutral? Gender neutral daughter. Yeah. Oh, anyone yeah. can be a daddy. Oh, no, no, no. I know. It's Mark Sloan. It's Mark Sloan. <laughs> uh, ah, yes. Right. Mark Mc- Sloan. Mark Sloan. <laughs> you went with the of... McSteamy as opposed to the McDreamy. The McDreamy. Yes. Um, all right. Well, but also, controversial pick, McVet. You might not remember McVet, but he was around season, I think, two or three. Yeah, I remember Meredith him. got a dog from somewhere. She, like, was sad with <laughs> Izzy one day. They went to the pound and got a dog. And then she started dating her vet. <laughs> and and find everybody somewhere. made fun of her for dating a vet. <laughs> so I will just say this um, for my lovely wife, Alex, who is listening. Mm-hmm. I know who your daddy is. Literally right it behind is you. Owen Hunt. Uh, and I, I don't trust your wife. I don't trust your wife. <laughs> oh my God. I, I'm so sorry. You need to divorce her immediately. Oh my God. She likes Owen Hunt. Owen Hunt. I pray. I literally pray to a God. I'm not sure I believe in for them to kill Owen Hunt every season. And I thought they were going to do it season 18. They were so close. And then they didn't. I, I just looked him up. He kind of looks like me. I think you should, should go higher. Hey, Rich, you're doing great, bud. You're doing great. Uh, if if I was to talented. follow Karama's what uh, Karama's advice, you know, Alex might be on the market. So no, <laughs> no I just Alex. I think that Kevin McKidd is very talented, um, and he's directed a couple of episodes as well. But I and I hope that he works. And I've tweeted this exact thing. I hope that Kevin McKidd continues to work. But I pray for them to kill Owen Hunt oh my God. every season. And every season I am reminded that God cannot or will not hear me. <laughs> like, I hate this character. Uh, you can write so Shonda much. a letter. I, I will just uh, end this with Alex. I love you very much. Um, so, going from things that we loved into Karama really just segued us into things that were wait a minute moments for us. Uh, any wait a minute moments in this pilot? Uh, yes. as a whole. Karama, go for it. 
why is Preston Burke, the chief of cardiothoracic, cardiothoracic surgery, uh, the attending surgeon on For an, an appendectomy? <laughs> There also just seems to be a lot of surgeons around in general. Seems like, yeah. I just realized I said surgeon in general in the same place. Uh, wait, okay. So <laughs> is I have no idea how a th- uh, how a hospital works. Are there that many surgeons just running around? Seems like an awful lot of them. It seems like too many. Yeah, I'm not a doctor. Surgeons. I don't work at a hospital. I have no idea. But I would agree it's a little bit strange that he was just in there ready to go. Um, also, yeah. especially a- because Richard Weber is the chief of surgery and is a general surgeon. Like, why do you think that maybe the first day, the the perk is you get to do an appendectomy with the chief? Wait, on top of that, is Dr. Shepard specifically a brain surgeon? Yes. Yes, he is a neurosurgeon. He is a neurosurgeon. He is a neurosurgeon. Yes, Shepard is a neurosurgeon. Okay. All right. right. Any any other wait-a-minute moments? Yeah, yeah, I got a hospital ethics question for (laughs) y'all. Um... So there's no show. way, there's no way <laughs> no. that George would be delivering the bad news to Gloria about her husband dying in the OR. In the middle just of the like lobby. In the lobby by the vending machines. Like, there's no way. That would have absolutely been, like, a private conversation behind closed doors, right? There's no way that just happens in the middle of the floor nonchalantly. I will say... To this day, they continue to let family members know in the waiting room on this show. So I just assume that's how they did it. So, I've never been in a hospital and had somebody die. Yeah, I mean, Max, what I'd love for you to do is just go to your local hospital and just <laughs> hang out in the waiting room for a little while. Like, just a couple of hours. Ask people what surgeries they're waiting for their loved ones for. And then if you see a doctor come out and just, like, prepare. And then you can let us know, and we'll update this episode with that yeah. answer. Yeah, see, there's your problem. You were standing in the bad news lobby. You should have been in the good news <laughs> lobby on the other side. Man, like, look, listen, I live near Kaiser. Uh, they got a helipad. <laughs> you know, I, I can see the whirly birds and hear the bad news all in one oh, night. Oh, could you imagine if they said, like, oh, we have to go up to the helipad, and then it's like, we're going to give you the bad news, but then you get to do one loop around the city in the helicopter. I'm just sneaking through this, like, hospital wearing a white coat that I found, hoping no one has an issue with me. <laughs> Oh my god. It's Dr. Scholes here. Dr. Scholes is ready. He's prepping for surgery. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Scholes. I want the Phoenix. Dr. Scholes and Dr. Pepper and everybody. All right. Jeff, what was your wait a minute moment if you had one? I did not have one, actually. I really, really liked all of the pieces of this pilot. Actually, I have one wait a minute moment. Derek and Meredith need to work on how they pick up people at bars because they did not talk about what. Either they person. do for a living? Yeah, they don't talk about what they do for a living. They don't talk about each other's names. I don't know about anyone's sexual promiscuity on this podcast or who is currently on these no, four please, panels. No, please, feel free to assume. But I would love to assume that you have asked the person who you're about to stop what their name is. She just forgot his name. And mm. you know what? That's fair. Mm. I think that's yeah, fair. I've... I will share... I hope my mother doesn't listen to this. Mom, if you do, just skip ahead a minute. Mom, um, thanks for listening to the pod. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did shtup someone once, uh, and then I ran into them the next day, because it was in, like, it was on the college campus where I had attended college, mm-hmm. and uh, I did not recognize him, and I'm like, why is that dude staring at me? It was less than 24 hours. <laughs> oh, that was. That's amazing. So... 
I will say, Meredith, she's just like me for real. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just same exact person. And same. that person, Kevin McKidd. <laughs> oh, um, it's not him it's owen hunt it's not kevin the kid it's owen hunt it's owen hunt oh I, karama i was about to say something terrible but i'll save that for after the pod um, okay. <laughs> um any other wait a minute moments for y'all okay i think it's a I think tight I pilot. My grievances. all right so i think I, that there are bigger problems in most shows it was fine so yeah. i do have an in-flight question uh, for all of us, and it is very simple. Grey's Anatomy made being a doctor extra sexy in mm. the mid two thousands. What other profession do you think needs that Grey's Anatomy boost in being extra sexy? Ooh, ooh, ding, ding, ding. Um, people that work at frame shops. Wow. Oh, specific. Okay. Why? Yeah. <laughs> weird. Very weird. <laughs> I don't know. It was the first thing that came to mind. But like, what do we know about them? We don't know anything. They're working with saws. Saws are sexy. Like, and the thing is, they're in charge of your memories, your important moments. They're wow. framing them, literally. And maybe metaphorically, maybe with their shirts off. Who knows? Wow. Sounds like there's one specific person that you're talking about at a local frame shop near you. <laughs> Uh, no. Mm-mm. no. I do love my local frame shop. I don't necessarily want to see anybody who works there with their shirt off. Mm. Um, but they're a great mom and pop shop. All right, Max, what about you? Uh, not enough uh, supermodels turned actors uh, doing TV dramas about our national park system. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, need, we need more uh, hot people telling us about like uh, Acadia and Yellowstone and Yosemite. What was Barack right. Obama not hot is? enough for you? What? Is that not the premise of the show Yellowstone? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it has much to do with the sanctity of our national park system, no. <laughs> Rich, what about you? Um, given the recent developments in the news, I would say uh, maintaining our train uh, infrastructure. Anyone who's <laughs> anyone who's part Choo-choo. of a... <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's part of a rail gang, uh, I think, would probably be uh, <laughs> your eyes when I said rail gang. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a that's a questionable name, but I would say anybody who's like making sure that trains don't run off the tracks is probably a pretty good, uh, pretty sexy person in my eyes at this particular moment. What about you, Jeff? Awesome. Um, I actually am going to go in a very different direction, Rich. Oh. Um, bespoke suit tailors. Um, I think that you could actually have a really fun show about people who have like either high like A-list celebrities or like millionaires that they create clothes for. Um, I have visited a custom tailor once and I felt so fucking bougie the entire time. And whomever made private practice, just pick them up, put them into this place and you will have at least seven seasons of a show. Jeff, um, I love that you're basically show. pitching, what if Fox did Phantom Thread? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's go. Right now, I'll pretend Sold to Sold another it. one. <laughs> you, you can easily do, like, RuPaul's Drag King race. Mm. And then you got a combination of that plus flair. Hey, I, Maybe. I like that a lot. Perhaps. I will say, the tagline for this show that you are pitching is... A world where everyone is haberdashing. Oh, oh my God. holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, that was amazing. Uh, 
Thank you so That's much. for the caps of Karama. Yeah. Uh, thank you for your answers. And also, thanks to our guests, our podcast listeners, for providing that awesome question. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about how you can submit those later in the show. But we have now gotten to our legacy section. Uh, this is, as we have said, our first show that we have ever done that is still ongoing. So this is its legacy as of this moment in time. Uh, you can currently find this show on Netflix, but it is also syndicated on Lifetime. And you can find every episode as well on ABC if you're looking. For our friends in the UK, top of the morning, you can find this program on... <laughs> that is Irish. Oh, they're, they're no longer listening. <laughs> Jeff just sent back Irish, like, English relations by decades. Oh, my God. Like oh, man. <laughs> I, didn't think, I didn't think this podcast would reignite the troubles. <laughs> Sorry, I just have to say, so at the... We're recording this not long after the BAFTAs this year, and they gave the Banshees of Inisherin Best British Film, and Martin McDonough was like, I think one of the stand-in donkeys might have been British. He did not say that. Yeah. That's so, hilarious. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So there have been 19 seasons of the show and 406 episodes of this show. Long I can only say, Jesus Christ, that is wild that um, number maybe he has actually never on whether or not yeah, he's, he's never been episode. on the show now. as of yet um so far this show's highest rated season was season number two uh which was actually it's only yeah. or it's first full season mm. as a whole uh that show topped or that series season topped out at number five uh in the country and uh, it was followed closely by season three, which was at number seven. And season one was actually number eight for that year. So it really was an interesting, like, little twist and turn. It is sort of dropped off in its popularity, but, you know, uh, you can only be on top for so long. Uh, so here's a fun fact. There are DVDs that have been released for this show. Uh, they stopped making dvds for the u.s in se after season 13 but in europe it's still going strong uh wow. they <laughs> have every single season available for those folks in that region. that's right red white and blu-ray baby i've learned so much <laughs> about dvd region production uh in pr preparation for this show uh <laughs> why because when you see something say region one versus region two, you gotta oh, click yeah. and go down the Wikipedia hole. Um, sure, fine. So this NTSC, baby. So this show was um, on a lot of top ten lists when it debuted. Um, USA Today, New York Times, NPR was actually it was on a list as early or as late as 2015. Uh, and that was on NPR as the number seven best TV show to be watching at that right. time. Uh, so fun fact about this show's uh, time that it was on TV. Originally, it was Sundays. Um, it was after it was a fill in for Boston Legal. Uh, as that Max talked about, it was that mid-season uh, debut. Um, and it was at a garbage time slot as well, 10 p.m., uh, right when Sunday Night Football was happening and in its prime. Uh, so what a crossover audience. Then for Karama, Karama is like, wait, it's not Thursdays? It moved Thursdays. to Thursdays. <laughs> Thursdays. It moved to Thursdays um, after its second season. Uh, mm -hmm. when ABC decided, hey, this is a primetime show. Let's talk a little bit about awards. Um, so 
235 the exasperation 235 <laughs> awards nominations Jesus. 60 of uh 60 wins including four primetime emmys three golden globe awards three sags but unfortunately i cannot give this the cradle to the grave award because it has won zero kid choice awards uh and that is a big requirement uh, yeah kids got no taste so i want to give credit to tv land because for some of you you might know that tv land has tv land awards and they gave this award in 2006 the future classic award which is mind-blowing that they called their shot in 2006 there are three um spinoffs of this show there's private practice there is station 19 and then there is a little mini web series called gray's anatomy Grey's anatomy the interns B- oh the b squad b team that's what it is yeah which does in fact feature a nurse i believe as one of the main characters so we get I've a little bit that. of justice to nurses um <laughs> and i think that is also a show we potentially have to do on this podcast because there were only six episodes and it got canceled right away. Um, There have been three different international adaptions of this show. One is in Turkey, one is in Mexico, and one is in Colombia. And I also want to note that if you need a little bit more Grey's Anatomy in your life, and specifically Christina Yang, you can purchase the video game, uh, which is available for Nintendo systems as well as PC, featuring Sandra O's own voice the entire time. What? Hell yeah. <laughs> and well, that's... we just lost Karama for the rest of put her it, life. Put it in my veins! Put it! <laughs> so that is the legacy of a legacy that it was still running to grow god this, this show. show is like millennial gun smoke it will never end <laughs> all right we have gotten through legacy we've done in-flight questions we've talked about the plot of this pilot but in a little bit of a change of pace we do have a game of the week but karama game, game, game. tell us a little bit about your game of the week yeah okay we'll pass so the, the game the game is called Cause you had a bad gray, and <laughs> it goes over I'm so glad many you saved of that. yeah yeah. I was I was texting Rich about it last night. I was like, I'm not going to tell you what it's called. <laughs> um, it goes over some of the bad things that have happened to Meredith Gray, our main character, or have they? So <laughs> I'm going to read you an event, and you have to tell me if it happened to Meredith Gray or if I just made it up. Now, since Jeff and Max have watched more of the show. It'll probably be easier for you. I have six questions. Each of you will answer two. Um, we will. Oh, this is like the second episode I've seen. So <laughs> I'm nailing it. I'm winning this. <laughs> okay. So let's start with Rich. Mm-hmm. This one's a softball. All right. So Uh-oh. it didn't happen in the pilot, but it is a softball. <laughs> I feel like it's something they get more unreasonable as you get along. Okay. Uh, did Meredith drown during a rescue mission to save victims of a ferry boat crash, or did I just make it up? I think you made it up because drowning implies she died. Oh, do you have to die to drown? Yeah, it's like being electrocuted. Well, she you- did die! She <laughs> died! <laughs> and <laughs> Meredith drowned, she died, they resuscitated her, and she, her mom died while she was being resuscitated. So oh I did God. not make it up. It did happen Damn. on the show. Damn. All right. All right Let's go to one. Max next. <laughs> All righty. Um, Hit me. 
Max, did Meredith survive a plane crash that killed two main characters and end up bankrupting the hospital because of it? Or did I just make it up? Oh, that, that, that had to have happened. That is true. Meredith <laughs> survived a plane crash. Yeah. The characters who died were not in the pilot, so you don't know them and you wouldn't be sad if I told you who they were. <laughs> All right, Jeff, did Meredith promise a chef who was in the hospital with appendicitis that during surgery she would cut off part of his liver so that he could turn it into a gourmet meal for himself? Or did I just make it up? Whoa. I'm going way back in the catalog for this one. <laughs> um, I want to say that you made it up, but I know you're going to come back at me and be like, no, that happened. So he made it up. You made it up. I made it up. That is 100% hey, there we made up. I think Fun fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, though. Meredith had her appendix out and donated part of her liver. Wow. Karama's out here pitching spec scripts for a show that's had 400 episodes. <laughs> I had a whole fake question about, like, if Meredith had to buy a gun to protect herself from the mafia. So. <laughs> All right. Yes. Rich. All right. Did Meredith get slapped by her father in the waiting room of the hospital after failing to save her stepmother who was admitted to the hospital with what turned out to be a deadly case of the hiccups? Or did I just make it up? A deadly case of the hiccups? Oh no, what a funny way for that person to die. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they had to have known that's too funny. It's gotta be fake, right? Did you make it up? No, I did not. That's <laughs> 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 He slapped her, and if you haven't added it to your list yet, you should do the pilot of NBC's miniseries, The, the Slap, Slap, based on the Australian <laughs> show of the same name. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to give this one to Jeff. Okay. Did Meredith have a one-night stand with a man who showed up at the hospital the next day with a bad case of priapism, and for those who flunked their MCATs, that is an erection that lasts four or more hours, yes, it is. that was being caused by a benign tumor, or did I just make it up? Oh, these are so good. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, <laughs> so for the audience to know, I'm... My wife and I are right in the middle of season eight, seven, uh, so I'm trying to think through it. I'm going your wife to, can't help you here, Jeff. I know. I'm going <laughs> you're, you're to in pod say country now. that this is false. This actually did happen to Meredith during oh. her hoe phase. The guy was Ooh. tragically earnest and not great at reading the room. Uh, and last but not least, Max, take us home. Did Meredith meet, as in for the very first time, not one? Not two, but three different half sisters while working at the hospital. Or did I make it up? <laughs> Shit. I'm gonna say that that is true. That that has happened. It did happen. Yeah. She met all three of her biological siblings at the hospital Max, to while the on win. the clock. Maxie, hundred percent, hundred percent. Damn. Lexi and Maggie were also doctors at the hospital. Molly was a patient. There you go. Well, Max is our I winner. I got the hiccups thing wrong. Karama. <laughs> it thank... sounds fake. Yeah. It sure does. Karama, thank you so much for that amazing game of the week. Um, with that being said, the plane is coming to a land. Um, and I would like to ask all of you a very different question. Um, one, for Max and Rich, would you keep on watching this show? 
And Karama, I would like to ask you. Would you stop watching the show? No. <laughs> Never. Karama, I'd like to ask you, how much longer do you think this show should stay on the air? I want to hear Max and Rich's answers first, and then I will answer that question. Deal. Yeah, I'm watching more of this. This is great. This is such a yeah! good pilot. Yeah, you did. You did it, Karama. Yeah, I really like this pilot episode. I would absolutely watch more of this show. Um, I said the same thing about uh, Desperate Housewives way back when, too, and I've yet to watch episode two, but I'm going to do it this time. Hey, I'm don't, don't do it pull back time. the curtain. Don't pull back the curtain. We're all watching all these shows. We, we, are, we are so busy watching TV. <laughs> okay, so how much longer do I think this show should go or can go? Should go. Question. Should, should go. go. As a fan. Should go. I think that they should either, one, end it when Meredith leaves. I think that maybe mm. season 19 should be the final season because it is Grey's anatomy and she is Grey. And I, I think that she's an anchor on the show and she is the last magic member still standing. Mm. Um, but the other option is... They take her off the show. Time jump. We are following Zola Gray Shepherd, her daughter, her eldest daughter, in medical school. Ooh. Gray's Anatomy. Ooh. I'm not the only person that has pitched this. And <laughs> this show goes on forever. <laughs> yes. You could still keep it running because the name of the hospital is now Gray Sloan, right? In theory, yes. Yeah. I mean, named I feel after... like that's a decent enough. And I am sure that is what the executives at ABC are telling themselves <laughs> as Ellen Pompeo is set to leave this show. Uh, she is oh, it's on Never Gonna old. Die, you fuckers. It's Never Gonna <laughs> Die. <laughs> um, and what I will say is I really have been enjoying re-watching this show with my wife. Um, I think it is... There's just so many well-written characters, so many well-written arcs. Is there disaster porn throughout the show? Yes. And each of those, if you were to tell me that I get to watch an episode where co the coach from Friday Night Lights is a bomb! is uh, is a bomb expert, um, holy shit! <laughs> it is. Max and Rich, I can't wait to get the text from both of you about the episode. Also, Christina Ricci's in that episode. Yes, she is. Or those two episodes. It's she's a two-part She's episode. in three episodes. She's in three episodes because it's a three-episode arc. Um, oh, it's three, not two. And then, like, just... There I'll are, put on the popcorn. There are some <laughs> amazing guest stars in this show that, like, you just... You don't even expect, but they're there. And Gina Davis. Yeah, just... And some of the actors that come on the show are fantastic. This... Whoever produced it obviously loves Broadway a little bit because some of the people who are on this show just made a home. Um, what yeah, I will Alexander say is... Alexander Hamilton, who's a guest? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how did a doctor... No. <laughs> 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 um, what I will say is I will absolutely continue watching this and I hope that the executives at ABC decide to give this a graceful ending rather than pulling the rug because this show deserves that. Um, yes. With all of my questions answered and the plane to a land, I would love to hear where we can find each of you. Karama, where can the folks find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter and Instagram and I guess TikTok at Karama Drama, K-O-R-A-M-A-D-R-A-M-A. -A -A. Nice. You can find me fucking up an appendectomy at Dan That's Rich on Instagram. 
Uh, you can find me performing 17 rectal exams in one day. Uh, you can also find me on all things social media at Maxwell Singh. And you can find original sketch comedy for myself and Rich over on TikTok at Dad Wagon Comedy. And you can find me explaining to my wife that Dr. Hunt is a perfectly fine choice to be daddy. <laughs> and there's, I'm absolutely not going to ask for a divorce. But if you're looking for me on social media, you can find me at Run Jeff Run on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at TV Pilots License. If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, you can email us at TVPilotsLicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram for sneak previews of some of our upcoming episodes and always feel free to submit a question of the week. With the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off, we want to thank Karama for joining us for this amazing yeah. episode. Yeah, thank you so much, Karama. We, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, it looks like a great day for surgery.